0: Hello and welcome to Horror Court Trash Ever, the show that discusses all the masterpieces and trash-to-pieces of genre cinema. My name's Chris. And I'm Gary. And this month's original versus remake for Pride yes, is a good double. It It is. It is. It is, and it's a
1: double that people wouldn't really of because i didn't know this film had a remake until we discovered it on imdb
0: yes um would you call it a spiritual remake and not an don't official know. remake know, because
1: it's the exact same fucking premise Pretty much
0: like. there are very much similar story and yeah. characters and lesbianism yeah you know so yeah, it it's. I would say it's a remake. Yeah. Yes. And people a lot of people say it's a loose remake, but I there don't think there's anything loose about it. <sighs> Excuse me. Um. Of course, we are talking about Dracula's Daughter, nineteen thirty six, and Nadia from nineteen ninety four. Yeah. Now, we may pronounce that differently every time we say it. <laughs> it's... Do you agree? Potentially. Because <laughs> I don't remember them saying it much in the film. <laughs> it sounds like they're saying Najia. Najia. So we'll go Najia,
1: with that. We'll go with Najia. That. Uh, of course, original versus remake. The polls are out there. And none of you voted for Najia, which I think is uh, not surprising. Cause I don't think anyone's seen it. But... I, would,
0: I would describe <laughs> Najia as a cult
1: film. I don't even know if I'd call it that. I feel like hardly anyone has seen this film. Like, none of, I don't even know if it's got a cult following. Yeah, um, maybe. But I absolutely loved it. Do you feel like it should? I feel on? like, yeah, absolutely. I feel like it really deserves a bigger following than it actually has. But there we go. Uh, yeah. And of course, Pride Month, we are asking what makes these films queer Dracula's Daughter contains a scene which was deemed rather suggestive for the <gasps> times when the homeless young lady is invited back to the rooms of the Countess. There is a hint of lesbianism. And I can tell you right now, it is a lot more than a fucking hint. And whereas Dracula's Daughter is very much queer-coded, mm. nausea
0: removes the code and is straight-up queer. Yeah. And I feel like, obviously, you're looking at almost 60 years. Yeah,
1: this must be the first ever horror film to depict a queer character. Even just coded, surely.
0: Um, yeah.
1: But then again, I, I suppose so... Frank- The Bride of Frankenstein was it, before this and that had a queer character. It depends how you look
0: at things. Yeah. Obviously, over time, we reassess these films. Um, I think Dracula's Daughter is overtly gay. Yeah. Really, looking at it, particularly compared to the other films at the time, Mm -hmm. you compare it to the original Dracula, which... A little bit of coding, obviously. Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein gay director and you know that there's coding there. Yeah. But I think Dracula's Daughter is overtly Yeah. Queer. I I really do.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Um yeah, and we'll we'll get into why. Um first up we do have Dracula's Daughter from nineteen thirty six, the first sequel we've done on Original Versus Remake. Oh okay. And I actually really appreciate the continuity um in this because With Universal Monsters, we've only seen the main ones up until this. Mm. Uh, We've only seen the main ones, so I wasn't sure how the continuity keeps up throughout these films, but I was really impressed with this one. Um, Very much like Bride of Frankenstein, it does start immediately after Dracula finishes, and everything's still in place.
0: Yeah, so there's a little bit of contention about what it was based on. Mm so seemingly there was part of the Dracula novel by Bram Stoker that he didn't release whilst he was alive yeah and his widow released it I th- I think this is what I gathered it's a little complicated um but the right documents weren't filled out for the American mm. uh, copyright so it was under the public domain yeah. And it was MGM that had bought the rights to this part of the novel that they were going to make into uh, a sequel and then Universal got the rights and it is, it's a little complicated, a little muddy. Um, but Universal had to make a film within a certain period yeah. or they would have lost the rights to it. Um, seemingly, this isn't... That in keeping with the source material from Bram Stoker, no. Um, I, I haven't read it.
1: No, I mean, I'd I very much like to, um,
0: but from what I've seen, it's not that in keeping yeah. with it.
1: Yeah, it, it just feels like a sequel. Yeah, it, it just feels like a sequel that takes the ending of the first Dracula and then does its own thing. Mm. Um, but yeah, I. Honestly, the release schedule for the Universal Monster films is fucking crazy. It is genuinely like looking at how the MCU is now. It's like looking at that for Universal in the uh, in the 30s, 40s and 50s. Yeah. Like, there were years where four films were released in one year, somewhere three films were released in one year. Honestly, I say bring it back. I would love to see a new Universal Monsters universe. I mean, they've tried multiple times and it's always failed. Um, but someone out there Has got to do it right
0: it, it, I suppose it depends How you go With it Yeah
1: Well the Radio Silence uh, Directors The ones who did uh, Scream and Scream 6 They are doing A new uh, Vampire film Like based on Dracula So Yeah
0: Make it a horror film And I think yeah. that's I'm assuming you're referring To the Tom Cruise Mummy uh, That was the latest one That failed Yeah Um. Make it a horror film Yeah These are horror films yeah when you look at the universal films obviously by today's standards they're very tame mm. but at the time in the 30s mm. they were scary yeah. and you know proper horror films yeah. that's that's the kind of horror you got in the cinema so update it make it modern but make it horror yeah. don't try and make it a universal monsters version of the mcu i don't want wise kraken no i don't want all that business i want some proper horror films yeah with the mummy the wolfman um frankenstein's monster looking gruesome yeah looking modern and Uh you know set it in a modern time and, and whatnot just make it cool yeah and I think that's the problem. And I, I didn't watch those films. From what I gathered, they just weren't cool. No. They, no, just... they thought they were, but they, they were I just... mean the only one I saw was PG 13s the...
1: Yeah, I didn't see Dracula what was it? Dracula Untold was it? I didn't I didn't see that. Mm-hmm. That just looked fucking abysmal. But I, I didn't even make it through the whole of the mummy. It was just terrible. I mean, you know, the thing is, the Brendan Fraser mummy did it in like an Indiana Jones type setting and it worked that film, you know, they did it once, it worked, they tried to replicate it it didn't work so well um, but yeah, that's done now, that exists, go and watch
0: that film great, if you're going to do a new film based on The Mummy, make it a fucking horror film but that, Brendan Fraser's Mummy was more akin to Indiana Jones, yeah. really than, than anything else Yes. Yeah. Um, so it did work it did get away with it, I mean I don't really remember The Mummy from that film Do you understand what I mean? Um, And and also, the mummy is maybe the worst of the Universal horrors. Oh, definitely! Wow, Phantom of the Opera. Yeah, it wasn't great.
1: But Dracula's Daughter, directed by Lambert Hillier who directed Guard That Girl, The War Horse, Batman, Nineteen Forty Three, Rangeland, Haunted Trails, Gun Law Justice, Valley of Fear, Blue Clay, Women in Prison, Girls Can Play, Speed to Spare. And lots more, so really a lot of Westerns. Um, he was actually injured on the ninth day of production. Yeah. Uh, when a freestanding fill light toppled on his head. Nearly half a day of shooting was lost when he was briefly hospitalised. However, films started uh, February 4th, 1936 and finished March 10th, 1936. And there was a Thursday the 13th, but no Friday the 13th in that time interval. So <laughs> they can't say it's cursed. Uh, and it was originally... Uh, supposed to be another project for James Whale, who of course did Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, Invisible Man. The script he submitted was so outrageous in various senses of the word that he was taken off the project, they wouldn't let him do it. Uh, a sizable list of writers submitted treatments and scripts. Do you know what? Did you sh- James Whale made the greatest Universal Monsters film. He made yes. Bride of Frankenstein he made The Invisible Man, he made Frankenstein, two of the other best Films within that franchise. Give them everything.
0: Come on, just let them do the whole thing. I think also budget constraints came into it too. Mm.
1: But I mean, when we say
0: outrageous in various senses of the word. Yeah. How gay was it? How very... <laughs> I'm assuming very gay. Because um, I think this is gay enough. For 1936, you know? Yeah. I think this is gay enough. Because it, it was... um. I think probably more based on Camilla, which was a a gothic novella by the Irish author Sheridan Mm Le Fanu from 1872. So actually predates Dracula. Yeah. And in the grand tradition of literature versus film, the literature goes a lot further than the films do. So it's a lesbian vampire novel. Um, Obviously not, you know, we're not talking... (laughs) <laughs> um, but I, in the grand tradition yeah. of literature It's always pushed more boundaries than film did And films uh-huh. always had to catch up uh, This was written by a lot of people Yeah, I'm assuming it's a little bits of stuff that was submitted
1: Yeah, I'm going to go on a speed round Because there's a lot You go for it Garrett Ford, who wrote Frankenstein, Dracula, Applause, Twelve Crowded Hours The Mask of Zorro TV Movie the Mad Room, Inside Job, Lady for a Night and more. John L. Balderson who did Gaslight, Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, The Last of the Mohicans, The Prisoner of Zender, Red Planet Mars, The House in the Square, The Mummy, Dracula and more. David O. Zausnick, who did Reckless, G-Man's Wife, Star is Born, 1947. Nothing Sacred, Since She Went Away, The Paradine Case, Jewel in the Cern and Portrait of Justice. Also, the producer of Spellbound, Rebecca the Third Man, Gone with the Wind, A Farewell to Arms, mm-hmm. The Adventures of Tom Sawyer, King Kong, 1933, and more.
0: Incredibly famous as a, uh, as a producer.
1: Yeah. And then we have uncredited Charles Bowden, Mystery of the Wax Museum, The Man with the Electric Voice, God's Country Woman. Waterfront, The Gay Cavalier. Oh, there we go. Excuse me. The Strange Mr. Gregory and more. Uncredited Finley Peter Doon, who did Magnificent Obsession, Breezing Home, The Old School Tie, King of Burlesque, Under Pressure, The Man Who Reclaimed His Head, and Imitation of Life. Uncredited Kurt Newman, Trapped, The Return of the Vampire, Susie Steps Out, Rocket Ship, XM. Susie Steps Out? Carnival Story, Ruhlplatz de Lieb, uh they were so young the witches from another world and more also the director of the fly luigi Cozy's version of godzilla oh counterpart, God. she devil the deer slayer and more uncredited rc Fucking sheriff now the invisible man goodbye mr chips the night my number came up the dam busters the old dark house 1932 one more river bride of frankenstein and more and finally, of course, based on the work by
0: Bram Stoker. All oh, right, there. Um, there's a few standouts there, but for some of our the, favourites are in there. Yeah, of course, but for the majority, it's given B movie the house down boots. Yeah, I think it's definitely a B movie project. Uh huh. Um, which I think. I'm assuming Universal Monster films were, they just mm. caught fire yeah. and were very popular. Um, you know, a lot of B movies were very popular.
1: Yeah. And of course, as you mentioned, there were all the complications um with the novel and the riots mm. and so on. Um, and in the end, you know, Bram Stoker's wife wanted more creative control over the sequel, and also Bala Lugosi wanted more money to reprise the role of Count Dracula. So that's why Universal went with uh, a woman. A room, a room so they didn't have to pay her as <laughs> well, much. Yeah.
0: Of course. And Get a woman well, in there. We'll pay her a quarter of what we would pay Bella Lugosi. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why
1: they got a room of seven men to write the script. Yeah. Budget, $278,000. Uh, and it was one of Universal's most expensive productions of the 30s. Oh, wow. Oh
0: fucking hell! I they could they have was... paid Bella
1: Lugosi. They could have. <laughs> Box office is unknown, mm. um, but I've seen these films make so much money.
0: Um. Yeah, i was assuming so. I think I think it was towards the tail end where it struggled. Yeah. When you got all the and Costello ones. Assuming that was when it kind of jumped the shark a little. Yeah, We've not seen in Abbott and Costello. Some of them are no. well-received. Yeah, I, I mean, I look
1: forward to watching Universal Monster Ones. Mm. Um, some of the other work could potentially be a little uh, iffy these days. But the Universal yeah. Monster Ones um, meets Frankenstein is actually in Letterboxd's 250 highest-rated horror films. Wow. So I think they're very well-received. Um, the last ever Universal Monsters film was the one of the creature from the Black Lagoon films. I think it's the creature walks among us, the one where he wears a suit throughout oh, the film. So i done. Okay.
0: I think Well yeah. that's exciting. I want to go through all of these. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. I do. Uh it
1: was this was the last horror film produced under the supervision of Carl Lemel. Uh, four days after production wrapped Universal's principal creditor, Standard Capital Corp. seized control of the studio and the Lamell family, including Patriarch Carl Lamell, uh, who had founded the studio who were c- unceremoniously kicked out.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. So. Yes, at the end of the day, I know we all enjoy movies um, and we're all entertained and it's all artistic endeavors, but fundamentally, it's a business. It is, it is. Yeah, and there's always a reminder of that. And whenever, I feel like whenever we look at classic Hollywood. Cinema, there's always something about budget constraints or money here, or somebody's fired because you know they cost too much, or someone, particularly with sequels. Uh, yeah, it's a, a reminder that filmmaking is a business, yeah, first and foremost. Uh huh, in good old Hollywood.
1: Shall we talk about the film? Of course. <laughs> pulse is weak dr Goth. growing weaker
2: all your skill can't help her now she's under a spell that can be broken only by me or death i am dracula's daughter
0: um so yeah dracula's daughter 1936 Having just destroyed Count Dracula, Professor Von Helsing is arrested by two Whitby policemen, Sergeant Wilkes and Constable Albert. Um, I mean, Albert and Costello. Immediately. Albert and, not Albert. Uh, Albert and Costello early on in the no, series. Yeah,
1: <laughs> there's a bit of humour in The Bride of Frankenstein. Um, a bit of a really well-placed, bizarre humour that really works. In this film, I, it shocked me. I didn't know how soon the slapstick humor started. Um, the answer is within the first two minutes of this film. Like the <laughs> yes. first bit of dialogue is, they find uh, Renfield. Uh, they find his corpse from the end of Dracula, and uh, one of them was like, "Oh, he's dead. His neck's
0: broken." And he was like, "Ooh." <laughs> <laughs> so you got your straight man and your sort of comic relief yeah. guy. So, Sergeant Wilkes, I think, is a straight guy, and then Constable Albert, after everything, he says that, ooh, ooh. <laughs> uh, the Dracula corpse in this film is
1: a waxwork of uh, Bella Lugosi, by the way, just to <laughs> get that out there. It's not actually
0: him. Uh, yeah. And uh, the, one of the Sergeant Wilkes refers to uh, Van Helsing as uh, an old cove. <laughs> but I was like, oh, is that, is that rude? But apparently, cove just meant fellow. <laughs> the guy, you know, this old guy. He's like, keep an eye on this old cove. <laughs> uh, so Van Helsing is taken to Scotland Yard, where he explains to Sir Basil Humphrey that he indeed did destroy Count Dracula, but because he had already been dead for over 500 years, <laughs> it cannot be considered murder. Um... <laughs> Within this scene, there's some of my favourite dialogue, where
1: Sir Basil Humphrey, he's being told all about vampires, and he says... Count Dracula is one of those fabulous creatures. Is that what you mean? Yes. a Fabulous creature, Dracula. Fabulous.
0: Uh, talk about... The gays. Pri- <laughs> talk about privilege. I know. Van Helsing, he's, be- he's been done for murder. He's going to go on trial. And he's talking to Sir Basil Humphrey uh-huh. in his office next to a roaring fireplace. Yeah. <laughs> talking absolute gibberish and bullshit. Um, I mean, we know it's true, because, you know, we've seen the film. Um, but to Sir so Basil R- Humphrey... I keep going uh, Basil Rathbone. That's someone else. Um, yeah, in his posh office. Like, oh, OK. If uh, Van Helsing was poor, I don't think he would have been... I think he would have been in a jail cell. Um Um, Van Helsing says that instead of hiring a lawyer, he's going to enlist the aid of a psychiatrist, Dr. Jeffrey Garth, who was once one of his star pupils. Psychiatrist slash professional misogynist. Uh, Yes. Uh, Sergeant Wilkes leaves the Whitby (coughs) Jail to meet an officer from Scotland Yard at the train station. Constable Albert is a bit on edge considering there's two corpses lying around in the jail cell. (laughs) Uh, but he also thinks he sees a rat too. To which Sergeant Wilkes, who is also a bit of a misogynist, says, No rat in sight. Worse than a woman you are. An old woman. Was oh, it an old woman? Yeah. He loves to call people old, doesn't he? <laughs> he's like, I, do you know what? He's ageist and sexist.
1: I just love this. Uh, well, I mean, I don't love it. Um, That's probably wrong choice of words. Um, I, I just find it absolutely bizarre that in classic Hollywood, like, so much the jokes are, oh, you, you're a woman, oh, women, women, oh, women, women, co- yeah. oh, what are women like?
0: <laughs> and this, there's a lot of that in this film, actually, um, which we'll obviously get to. Um, but, I mean, every woman in this film absolutely holds their own and fucking oh, slays course, the game. Of course, of course. Which, thankfully, balances it out. Yeah, to a certain, I mean, things we're looking at the best part of a hundred years yeah. since this film came out. Things are going to be different and we can point them out and we can laugh at them now because everyone evolves dead. Yeah. You know, we've come a long way so we can find the humor in these things, you know, but also learn from them. So while Sergeant Wilkes is gone, um, Dracula's daughter, Countess, Maria Zaleska enters the jail and mesmerizes Albert with her jeweled ring. (laughs) Saucy. Uh, She's wrapped up in all in black with just her eyes visible. So I am expecting the Drag Race big reveal (laughs) at some point. Also, you mentioned Dracula's Daughter. I did.
1: I love the fact that this film, the big reveal, about an hour in... (laughs) It's the fucking film's title! Where it's like, I'm Dracula's daughter. Like,
0: yeah, yeah, I mean, we know yeah. going in, like, everyone knows the name face of the film. Is on the post, <laughs> um, with the aid of her manservant, Sandor, <laughs> the Countess steals Dracula's body from the Whitby jail, and after tossing salt on the pyre, ritualistically burns Dracula's body, hoping to break her curse of vampirism. How do you say that? Vampirism. Vampirism. Vampirism, isn't yeah. it? I mean, it sounded weird. Um, she says, "Free, free forever, <laughs> free to live as a woman, free to take my place in the bright world of the living instead of among the shadows of the dead." So yeah, um, lesbian vampire, definitely. <laughs> and she's trying to break a curse, which is her homosexuality. Yeah.
1: A little gay boy servant has a different idea though, doesn't he?
0: Absolutely. He wants her to stay.
1: He's like, girl, (laughs) I need someone to go to the clubs with. I do. You cannot go straight on me now.
0: Yeah. He uh, begins to discourage her, telling her that all that is in her eyes is death. (laughs) Slash queerness. (laughs) Um, Now we get the big reveal of the outfit. She's got her hair up. Her eyebrows are thin and arched. (laughs) like really uh-huh. dramatically thin and arched and she's wearing a fabulous metallic trimmed black dress with an almost plunging neckline mm-hmm. so her modesty is covered with some sort of nude panel yeah. to stop the cleavage but if that wasn't there it would be given alvira yeah. Um, it is 1936, after all, so the panel is there, so, so we don't get any cleavage. Even with the panel in place. Serving. Honestly,
1: I... She was just... I mean, to say she was serving cunt is, is an understatement. Oh. Like, the whole film.
0: Every woman in this film... Yeah. Serves. Yeah, this film...
1: The seven men writing this film, at least half of them must have been gay.
0: Whoever was in charge of the costumes... Yeah. Did a fabulous job. Yeah, and it's a sign of the times because obviously we're, we're looking. But even the homeless girl. Yeah. Oh my god. She's serving her <laughs> look. She probably has the second best look in the film. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but she, I mean, when you know when she became homeless, they must have been very generous with the clothes they left her. I mean, yeah. where yeah. does she live? Yeah. <laughs> but like, whenever the countess is on screen, her screen presence is just. Ugh, it is incredible like she's on a different level to everyone else
0: she, she is
1: not even just her outfits like her performance as well like everyone yeah. else is like oh i'm so goofy i'm in the 30s and she's there like no i fucking mean business but
0: it's not set in the 30s is it
1: but i mean like yeah it's that classic yeah. 30s acting, oh yeah like, oh, oh. but she's there like no i'm i'm fucking acting i've been in a time machine i've seen what acting looks like in modern day and i'm giving you it now
0: yeah <laughs> well we get on to how good she is and in- how surprising that is later on. <laughs> um, the Countess quickly gives into her thirst for blood, mesmerising her victims with her exotic jewelled ring. Her first victim is a well-dressed gentleman <laughs> in a top hat. Uh, we don't see her bite or really interact no, this, with him this is a at PG. all. A um, so it, it, he gets a, a good look at a ring <laughs> and uh, it cuts away. So, and then we assume, because we've seen the first film mm. and we know what vampires are, what's happened after that. So, Dr. Garth's bird shooting fun is interrupted by his secretary, Janet Blake, who informs him of Van Helsing's impending trial. Um, after a chance meeting with Dr. Garth at a society party, the Countess asks him to help her overcome the influence she feels. From beyond the grave. That society
1: party is fucking camp as <laughs> it, it is. It is like when Gail Weathers goes to Stu Marker's house at the end of the screen and everyone's there greeting her. She's like, she's a celebrity. That is exactly what the countess is like in this scene. Like, I mean, some fucking... <laughs>
0: right. <laughs> it's true. Some guy... Your references like, are so, a little out one, there, but okay. some
1: <laughs> Some woman who's, who's in there, she's like, oh, this countess, she is... Uh, Charming. So, like, oh my god, everyone wants a bit. Everyone is wet for the Countess.
0: Because she's serving yet again. She's got a large, bejeweled belt on, like she's the uh, WWF Women's Champion. <laughs> um, Garth is, of course, like everyone else, smitten with the Countess, much to Janet's annoyance. Fucking human. Uh, I'm assuming Janet wants a bit of Dr. Think, Garth. Yeah,
1: even though he's always treating her like shit. <laughs>
0: We then go to Dr. Garth at the Countess's home. And after a rather bizarre prank call from Janet, (laughs) the Doctor advises her to defeat her cravings by confronting them. And the Countess becomes hopeful that her will, plus Dr. Garth's science, will be strong enough to overcome Dracula's malevolence. So this prank call... (laughs) uh, A literal elephant in the room... She calls, I, I don't know where she got the Countess's phone number from. <laughs> Yellow Pages. Yellow Pages. And she asks for Dr. Garth's, um, whatever his name is, it's San, San. What's his name? San. It's Dr. Garth. No, the, uh, the, the the gay best friend. Oh, Sandor. Sandor. The gay best friend. <laughs> um, he comes in and says, Dr. Garth, it's a phone call for you. And he gets on the phone. He says, Yes, Dr. Garth speaking. Well, who is this? What do you want? <laughs> And in a very fake German accent, which I will not try, Janet says, please come right away. This is the zoo speaking. She says, yeah, one of our elephants is seeing pink men. And Dr. Garth says, all right, now listen to me, Janet. This has gone far enough Well, there's nothing funny about it. I'm in the midst of a very serious, to which Janet hangs up and laughs.
1: Why is this included?
0: Included.
1: <laughs> it's. Uh, but then he gets another call from it's an actual another
0: doctor. So Dr. Beamish. So it, it's a setup <laughs> for this joke in Dracula's Daughter <laughs> where Dr. Beamish calls up and Dr. Garth thinks it's another prank call from Janet. And Dr. Garth says, Now look here, I'm tired of being annoyed after office hours. If you don't stop calling me, I'll come over there and regardless of your sex, I'll smack you in the nose. <laughs> There we are. Doctor Beamish not very happy. <laughs> um, he tells we ta- I don't know what he tells him. Actually, I was, just, I was just like, "What is going on here? This isn't what I signed up for." A whole skit based around prank calls. <laughs> Um, interesting, doc, doc, Dr. Cuff again, a bit sexist. He suggests that the Countess is the only woman he has ever met that doesn't have a home full of mirrors. Women, eh? I know. Mm. Um, <laughs> the Countess sends Sandor to fetch her a model to paint. 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 He's <laughs> paint. He sees a pretty young woman called Lily and follows her onto a bridge. The woman pauses at the railing, looking despondent. Sandor promises her food, warmth, and money. She hesitates, but Sandor explains that he seeks her for his mistress, and Lily returns with Sandor to the Countess's home. Lily does state that she was apprehensive of Sandor as a man, but is more comfortable with the Countess.
1: Jane Wyatt was cast as Lily originally. Okay. However, universal... Father's Knows
0: Best. Father's Knows Best, yeah.
1: Universal presumably cast Nan Grey. uh, Yes, her name is Nan Grey. Because she was a blonde, giving contrast to the leading lady, Gloria Holden. Movie producers, especially in the golden age of Hollywood, generally preferred that actors have two different hair colours when a villainess is involved. Lovely. To give
0: distinct contrasts. (laughs) And of
1: course, Wyatt was always a brunette. So she couldn't be cast.
0: Um, (laughs) Just on that. What you said, her being called Nan. I had a great aunt called Nan, so my Nan's sister was called Nan, and it was very confusing <laughs> when I was younger <laughs> because my dad would call her Aunt Nan, and I was like, No, she's not mine. My... She's not your Nan. No, my Nan's your mum. <laughs> very confusing. I was very young. Um. Yeah. So this scene.
1: Um, this scene when the Countess says. Uh, I'm doing a study of a young girl's head and shoulders. You won't resist to moving your blouse, will you? And it not nah, not at all.
0: Well, no, yeah. She <laughs> <laughs> doesn't. Obviously, it was more suggestive in the first draft yeah. of the screenplay. And with the censors and the haze Code and everything, they were like, no, that ain't going to happen, is it? Yeah. No, who, who, who are you kidding? No suggestion of her being topless in any way whatsoever. Mm-hmm. you get a little bit of shoulder. that's it. Uh, not allowed to touch you know there's th- obviously we know what's going on here, but there's no suggestion of lesbianism whatsoever. Mm-hmm. obviously there's a lot of suggestion of lesbianism yes. because we're not dumb yeah um it's it's a great scene mm. it it really is because the countess. See, she initially resists her urges, but succumbs and attacks her. So she was maybe a little sympathetic up till this point. Because she's trying to break the curse yeah. of her family. She doesn't want to be Dracula's mm-hmm. daughter. She doesn't want this vampirism no. slash homosexuality. And this is her giving in to her urges. So this this is her becoming the villain of the film. And she becomes the villain of the film when she gives gives in to her lesbianism. Yeah, and this she's the film depicts her preying on women much more than it shows her preying on a man. Yeah, Um, we got a very brief guy in top hat earlier, whereas Mm -hmm. this is a whole scene with a whole character. The character's Lily's got a little bit of a backstory. She's the uh, beautiful, innocent, blonde girl. Mm -hmm. And um, obviously the Countess is the foreign lesbian brunette. And she is, you know, is very much like uh, Rebecca. Yeah, yeah. Very, very much like Rebecca. Everyone yeah. anyway.
1: I'm, I'm glad that we're um at the point in time where we can actually embrace these characters now and kind of claim them as our own mm. rather than if you just looked at it in uh black and white then Maybe no in the film, black and white. Oh. but um then you know it's offensive that you'd cast someone like that and you know have that character be the villain but i mean She's a fucking badass. Like everyone, lo- I mean, imagine watching this film and not being slayed by the counterass.
0: Absolutely, and we can separate ourselves from yeah. it to because we can celebrate how far we've come, uh-huh. and we can look back with interest and also kind of make things our own. Yeah, we can stand her despite her being the villain. Uh-huh. Well, sometimes it's nice to cheer on the villain. Yeah, like. Dr. Garth is the hero, I know. and he's a fucking sexist. Yeah. So get him. Get him, Jade. Yeah. Um. Poor Lily, though. Oh, little blonde, innocent Lily. She just has some good sex. <laughs> she... I love the visual of the light reflecting from the Countess's ring uh-huh. shining in... No, never not be funny. Uh, shining in Lily's eyes as uh, the Countess creeps closer... Mm. Um. Yeah. Really love it. Iconic scene. Really is. Yeah. Um. We then get Doctor Garth and Janet bickering yet again (laughs) over the prank call and his retaliation, which was asking a nurse to call her repeatedly in the middle of the night. (laughs) Which I don't really. I mean, number one, don't waste the nurse's time, and number two, that's a bit harsh. (laughs) Like, oh, she's like, I didn't get any sleep because I had phone calls throughout the whole night. I'm like, what even is that? What kind of <laughs> prank is that? Um, She threatens to quit, but both become distracted by the news of Lily's attack. Lily has survived, but is still almost comatose under the Countess's spell. They see that she has puncture marks on her neck, and they initially think that it's uh, anemia. But then they're like... No, this is more than that. Mm-hmm. What's going on here? Doctor Garth goes to see Van Helsing for advice, and Van Helsing goes mm-hmm. off about vampires. Um, yeah, he just goes off about it. It's it's giving Donald Pleasance in Halloween. Yeah. Doctor Garth and Janet then have another love hate interaction. Uh, interaction when he asks a nurse to tie his tie for him, but she can't, so Janet does. Um, Janet. Serving, in a beautiful yeah. gown and of fur coat, yeah. Mm-hmm. Not too fond of that, but absolutely beautiful gowns, stunning. Yeah. The count. <laughs> what would a Franklin think of this film? <laughs> beautiful gowns. Uh, the the countess turns up to see Doctor. <laughs> The Countess turns up to see Dr. Garth, and Janet tells her that he's pissed off somewhere. But he's he then starts speaking, and the Countess realizes that he's there. And she goes, Why was it necessary to lie? <laughs> I don't know, the delivery it was just high count uh-huh. on that one. And also, if you have noticed, we do refer to her as the Countess. Um, not Countess the one. <laughs> if anyone's familiar with the Countess <laughs> ordering a pizza. Uh, Lily is examined again by Dr. Garth through hypnosis. Uh, she reveals to him enough information to uh, suggest that the Countess was the one who attacked her. She then... <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. She suffers heart failure and dies. Um, (laughs) That sex was really good. (laughs) But she does it in a very B-movie, high camp way. (laughs) And I'm loving it. Elsewhere, the Countess gives up fighting her urges fully and accepts that a cure is not possible. Yes, She lures Dr. Gunn to Transylvania by kidnapping Janet. Um... We then get a few, dare I say, dull scenes of Dr. Garth trying to find their whereabouts and Van Helsing being informed of his travel to Transylvania and the locals seeing the light return to Dracula's castle. It feels like filler. Mm -hmm. Uh, The film's only 72 minutes anyway. And it's kind of felt like filler. I would have liked more of the cast.
1: I think it's a bold move of the countess, um, thinking Doctor Garth would come and rescue Janet Blake when he actually can't stand it. I know. Like... <laughs> I know, right? I'm surprised it. Was... i surprised it wasn't just like, yeah, I ain't fucking saving her. Yeah, I, mean, I don't give a shit. Kill
0: her. <laughs> I don't want to get any more fucking prank calls. <laughs> it's true. The countess explains that she intends to transform Doctor Garth into a vampire to be her eternal companion. Uh, see how I say companion. companion? So not lover. No. Companion. Sandor is not impressed with this news, <laughs> as he was promised eternal life and companionship by the Countess. Um. Yeah, what he was expecting was two gays living it up together in a large <laughs> castle for eternity. It's giving chosen family... Yeah. Um, and the Countess has chosen Doctor Garth to be part of her chosen family yeah. for eternity. Not sure why. Well, she wants to transform him from misogynist to uh gay. Yeah, maybe. Arriving at Castle Dracula in Transylvania, Doctor Garth agrees to exchange his life for Janet. And there's a great shot of the Countess leaning over Janet's body. She's mm-hmm. lying on some form of couch or something. Um, And it feels like the Countess is kind of holding back wanting to kiss her. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, really Really great scene. Again, you know, sort of typifies ant- the gay overtones yes. of the film. Uh, before Dr. Garth can be transformed though, uh, the Countess is destroyed when Sandor shoots her <laughs> through the heart with an arrow as revenge for her breaking her promise. <laughs> He takes aim at Dr. Garth, but is shot dead by a Scotland Yard policeman who, along with Van Helsing, has followed Dr. Garth from London. I don't know the political aspects of Scotland Yard going to Transylvania, but we'll we'll overlook that. Um, The final final words of the film are from the Scotland Yard policeman and Van Helsing when the, the policeman says... The woman is beautiful. <laughs> to which Van Helsing says she was beautiful when she died 100 years ago. <laughs> Yo, bitch. Oh, uh, yeah. You're dead and I'm still fucking talking about your age. Talk about the male gaze. Like this strong <laughs> lesbian has been killed... And it's two old men saying, oh, wasn't she beautiful? Oh, what a real shame. She was so attractive. Oh, attractive women don't usually do this. (laughs) Fuck off. Um, But that's it. That's the end of Dracula's daughter. Wasn't she beautiful? She was. I love it. I I really love it. It's so
1: fucking weird. Like, I I really... 1930s writers are on a, a different kind of level, weren't they? I mean... What the fuck were
0: they going for? <laughs> it, it it was yeah. I I do. I think it's better than Dracula. Oh yeah, yeah. I prefer it to Dracula. Um, Dracula was despite being iconic and it yeah. has iconic moments. It was kind of sometimes a bit style over substance. Yeah, and a little dull. Um, this has, in my opinion, way more substance, particularly with the queer connotations. Yeah. I think there's more to it. And Gloria Holden's central performance is fantastic. Yes. And it, it, it's akin to uh, Bella Lugosi as well. Mm-hmm. It's the real standout of yeah. the film. She does a fabulous job.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: no, I, I really, really enjoy it. Um,
1: And it's uh, paired with uh, a, a, a film that is, I, I'm going to say now, but even a little better. Alright, It's paired with... Uh, nausea from 1994 directed by uh david i'm uh, sorry um written and directed <laughs> by michael almirada who did marjorie prime experimenter tesla another girl another planet deadwood escapes uh cyberline new orleans monomore and more oh um yeah If you told me that David Lynch secretly directed this film, I would not be surprised. But instead, he's the executive producer.
0: Yeah, it it's definitely Lynchian, as uh, you would say. Extremely Lynchian. He definitely had a lot of say as to what happened in this film,
1: made on a budget of one million dollars. Oh wow! Just one million. Uh, and at the box office, it made $443,169. Right. So it was a flop. Yeah. Uh, and it was also partially filmed with a toy camera produced by Fisher-Price that used audio tape to record a very low-resolution black-and-white picture. It was called the PXL 2000, or Pixel Vision, and was only on the market for a year, starting in 1987.
0: That's hipster. It, that is... And I'm so fucking here hipster. for it. I, I am here for it. But okay, is there anything more hipster than using a Fisher-Price camera uh-huh. in your feature-length movie that was only available for one year? <laughs> and it, it is... I mean, the quality dips, doesn't it? Yeah. But it's a deliberate choice. That it's an it's artistic... Purpose, yeah? It's an artistic
1: choice. This film has everything i could ever want from a film i mean it's now i didn't give it 5 stars cuz i do think uh, pacing could have been picked up in certain parts but it's Lynchian... david lynch is my favorite director it's lynchian it's fucking the film equivalent of shoegaze it is a shoegaze film it's yeah. art house it's fucking surreal it's weird it's let's get into it it's our second feature presentation <laughs> The family curse is selective.
2: It goes way back from Romania.
1: How do we find them? How do we fight them? It just seems to me you've gone through something and you haven't
2: quite come out the other side. How can it feel?
1: Starting with the words David Lynch presents. Yes. Along with um a score that I mean if you had told me the score was uh by Angelo uh Badalamenti. Is that how you say his surname? Badalamenti? I think so. From yeah. yes. Um if you told me he did the score, I I would not mm be surprised Mm. but it wasn't it's by simon fisher turner who is a musician and composer who worked with Derek jarman a lot um yeah he's he's very much known for his punk styles um but it's very much a david lynch film score you know it's that sort of style slight bit of saxophone coming in very atmospheric and then it's followed by soon by my bloody valentine i'm like oh my god i am fucking on board like seriously inject this film into my veins
0: yeah, My Bloody Valentine, one of my favorite artists of all time. Yeah, like, like literally, I was
1: fangirling. I it, it. It's amazing, and the the nineties style, nothing. Of course, they kept this in black and white. Um, it just looks amazing. Naya, Najia, Dracula's daughter, tells a man in the bar about how her father is a bastard who happens to do a lot for her. She wants to simplify her life, but she can't resist all the choices in life. Everything is superficial. Yeah, it has a lot of scenes of people talking shit, Twin Peaks style. Yes, and very deadpan. Yeah,
0: I I really love just how deadpan everybody is, and there are moments where they say something ridiculous, and you think, how can the actor not laugh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> at this, but it's like stone. Yeah,
1: Count Vavode. Arminius Chosasiku Dracula dies with a stake in his heart, and Nasia shows up to claim the body, hoping that his death will free her from the life that her father has forced on her. And playing the security offer at the morgue, uh, I believe to be the same character that did the woo in ah! the original. It's okay. none other than David Lynch, David himself. Lynch himself. And Nasia, she uses her Jedi mind tricks on him to get her to get him to show her the corpse. <laughs>
0: It's weird to see David Lynch act and not shout. Not shouting. I only know him to be (laughs) shouting because he shouts in Twin Peaks, but he also shouts when he plays Glenn Ford in The Fableman's. (laughs) Uh, Jim has. Glenn Ford, John Ford. John Ford. He didn't play the president, Glenn Ford. (laughs) Jim
1: has uh, bailed his uncle, Van Housing, out of jail for killing Dracula, and they have a very Twin Peaks style conversation in a cafe. Halsing knows that if Dracula's body is not destroyed properly, he'll be back. Nadia has Dracula's body cremated and prepares to take the ashes to Brooklyn and pay a visit to her twin brother, Edgar, whom she hasn't seen for a long time. Now, I don't know if there's any connections there to Son of Dracula. Uh, there's a little nod there. Could be. I mean, just the fact he exists,
0: maybe. Can I ask a question? Yeah. That I maybe should have asked a while ago. hmm who did Dracula shag to get a daughter? That I I can't help In the original with. film? I mean... You'd think she would have been hanging around a bit. If, <laughs> Where was she well, during all the events? I mean, if Emperor Palpatine could have a kid <laughs> oh, uh,
1: in Star Wars, then, then, you know, Dracula could have one too. <laughs> oh, uh, before she leaves, however, she goes for a sad walk in the snow whilst fucking Rhodes by Porter's Head plays. <laughs> and... Honestly, it looks... I was hoping she was going to have like a possession-style breakdown on the street. Yeah. I'm still living for this scene. In the snow. It's like a music video.
0: It is. (laughs) Um, Portishead, another one of my absolute favourite bands of all time. Again, I was marking out when that happened. Yeah. Uh,
1: She stops for a drink and meets Jim's wife, Lucy. They have a long conversation before Najia puts One Way to Go by the Verve on the jukebox for her. And... Much like me and Chris with Disco 2000 by Pulp, it no. very much becomes their song, doesn't it? That's it does. A special meaning to them. It I mean, this this isn't too different to our first date. <laughs> I, I was probably listening to said on the way
0: to our first date.
1: <laughs> Lucy is also feeling a sense of emptiness, so she takes Naja home and does what every lonely girl in the 90s wants to do. And she puts on Lose My Breath by My Bloody Valentine. <laughs> Now, uh Lucy, played by Galaxy Craze, a novelist. A I mean... novelist?
0: Uh anything we've heard of? Not really, but no. her name's
1: Galaxy Craze. It is Galaxy Craze. Yes. What more can you ask for? I mean I was slayed just by the name, and she is a great actress in this. She looks so cool with her short nineties hair and ugh, This is a her very style
0: Yeah. Galaxy Craze is definitely giving me My parents were hippies. Yeah. Definitely.
1: Lucy shows Nasia her pet spider and explains she tried teaching him French, uh, but he just wasn't interested. She also switches on a Dracula Christmas decoration that she has on the Christmas tree, (laughs) which upsets Nasia. Yeah,
0: Yeah, because it starts like yelling, doesn't it? Yeah.
1: This is a fucking Christmas film, everyone. Technically, yeah. They have a drink and appear to cheer each other up, and they're like
0: "fuck the coding," and they have sex. Yeah, yeah, bit just like uh, Susan Sarandon and Catherine Deneuve. Yeah. They have a couple of drinks and get yeah. down to business.
1: When uh, Van Helsing learns that Dracula's body has been removed from the morgue, he enlists Jim's help. Meanwhile, Nadia goes to visit Edgar, who is sick, and meets his nurse and living lover,
0: Cassandra. Um. Yeah, this is my favorite dialogue <laughs> when Naja talks about her mother, and then she does this monologue. And na- <laughs> a lot of the monologues in this film kind of feel like, particularly from Naja, feel like the setup to a song. Yeah. In a musical. Uh-huh. Like I feel if she gets to this point, and then the film it cuts away. Yeah. Whereas I feel like if it was a musical, she would burst into a song. Mm-hmm. But this one in particular is about how her mother forced her to eat butter. And she says, to this day, I can't stand to eat butter. And Cassandra says, you have to learn to forgive. <laughs> <laughs> one of the funniest things I've ever seen in
1: my life was her starting this big monologue about her past and Renfield playing a fucking harp <laughs> yes. randomly placed in the room yeah. for a flashback noise. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, hilarious. It, it gave it an extra half star for me. Like, that's just fucking so funny. It,
0: it, and it's that deadpan way of doing it yeah. that I find hilarious. Yeah. I have a very dry sense of humour. I think Aubrey Plaza is hilarious I love that kind of humour and it works so well in this film and it's not listed as a comedy no but it's comedy yeah I I think it's a parody but it's sort of
1: surreal comedy
0: yeah yeah
1: again in in a way that only David Lynch can do that
0: works I think it's more we say it's Lynchian but I, I think it's more Twin Peaks The Return yeah actually yeah um, which is very fucking but, Lynchian, you know. It,
1: yeah, and the, the weird thing is as well. I mean, obviously the soundtrack's a big part to play in this, but it's also very Sophia Coppola. It's like if Sophia Coppola and David Lynch made a film together, it would it would look like this. Yeah, that's true. Which I'm I'm I love. Um, no, I'm, oh, sorry. <laughs> you're gonna do my job? Wow. <laughs> well, no, you've uh, already read one
0: film out. Naja also says that it's hard to read a medical book without feeling disgust for the whole human race. Our bodies are so complicated and ugly. And I I feel like Naja is very Gen X. Yeah. In the stereotypes around Gen X, Mm -hmm. is that they're too laid back. Yeah. They um, don't like things to be complicated. Mm -hmm. And this is, you know, her talking about the complications of New York, her talking about... The complications of the human body, when things get too much, I think is very Gen X. Yeah. Very sort of complacent yeah, and too laid back.
1: Yeah. Najia uh, lights up a cigarette and persuades Cassandra to move Edgar to her apartment, where she can help him by transfusing him with plasma from the blood of shark embryos, which is what Naja uses to stay healthy, of course. Uh, Edgar revives. Don't we all? <laughs> Edgar revives enough to drink some of Najia's blood. However, Lucy has fallen under Najia's mesmerism. This time, genuinely from good sex.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, she throws Jim. <laughs> she throws Jim over a bar <laughs> before leading him and Van Helsing to Edgar's house, where Najia is staying with Remfield. Um. Edgar awakens long enough to warn Cassandra to leave the house as she is in danger, uh, but uh, Naji has put a spell on him to where he's only speaking. Uh, what language is it he's speaking? Is it Roman- Romanian? Romanian, uh, yeah. Um, so Cassandra can't understand what he's saying, uh, but eventually he does get through and does warn her. Cassandra, who just happens to be Van Helsing's niece, somehow the big reveal. The big reveal. <laughs> the big reveal. <laughs> attempts to escape with Najia, um, pursuing her while Strangers by Porter's Head plays. Lucy then starts pursuing Najia after having a dance with her to their song, One Way to Go, by the Verve. And then Jim starts pursuing Lucy. (laughs) Cassandra runs into a gas station where it looks like two burly mechanics are going to protect her. But Najia mesmerizes them and kills one of them. Uh, a policeman enters the gas station and shoots Najah in the abdomen. Um, I
0: love the the effects yeah. when he shoots her. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's, it's like really cheap, to be fair. Yeah,
1: but it's good. <laughs> Edgar, who is improving, unites with the housings to stop Najah. He receives, and I shoot you not the official term used in the film, a psychic fax. Psychic. From nausea, telling him that she is injured and must return to Transylvania.
0: Yeah, and this is when she says that she's pleased to be out of America because there's too many choices. Yes. Um, Yeah, like I said earlier, the whole Gen X stereotypes, bleak, cynical, disaffected. (laughs) It's almost like she's trying to get away from her father, who is... A boomer. Yeah. So going from the baby boomers to Gen X and sort of trying to um, create their own culture. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah.
0: Very interesting.
1: She also mentions that she's taking Cassandra with her. Uh, So Edgar and the Housings hightail at the Transylvania 2. As they approach the castle, Cassandra punches Naya so hard that she fucking sends her wig flying it fucking flew. It did fly. And so did mine when I watched it. Naya um, begins.
0: She looks like Sinead O'Connor. She does. And Sinead O'Connor gets a thing. She does. The, so I don't know if that was a style decision based on Sinead O'Connor. I think it probably was. Because she really looks like yeah. her. Like the, the way her face is made up mm-hmm. and the outfit. Yeah.
1: Uh, Naja begins a transfusion of Cassandra's blood whilst Cassandra sleeps. Whilst Jim fights with Renfeld, Edgar and Housing drive a stake through Naja's heart. (gasps) Lucy is released. Naja is destroyed and Cassandra wakes up. However, not all is as it seems. Naja narrates the epilogue and says, they cut off my head, burned my body. No one knew. No one suspected that I was now alive in Cassandra's body. Ah. Edgar and I were married at City Hall. It's your brother? There is a better way to live. And then during the end credits, we get In the Meantime by Space
0: <laughs> Love us. Where song. did it get the budget? Uh, that's quite a big song. <laughs> I think it all went on the music. Oh. Yeah. Look, 94. 94, I suppose. his head in My Bloody Valentine? Kind of. Just probably would have been at their biggest actually. At their biggest. I dunno. I, mean, I, I don't Boston know anyway. how I mean when
1: David Lynch asks you if you could use That is you, very you know, true. You're gonna just get yeah. it, you know? it
0: that is very true, actually. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um I love it. I really, 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 really love it. It's very much in keeping with everything I think a good remake should be. You know, it modernizes the film, it keeps the story but does
0: its own thing, you know, it, yeah. Really fantastic. Surprisingly hilarious yeah. at times. Like, genuinely. I like it. It's, it's weird. It's kind of stupid yeah. at times as well. And that's the thing. So is the original. Yeah. But this does it in a... By design. It, by I think design and time. in a modern
1: environment.
0: Yeah. And just, it almost feels like it's parodying the kind of art film. Yeah. In a sense, uh, which makes it even funnier. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really appreciated it. Really, really enjoyed it. So, let's get to the awards.
1: First up, we have cinematography, scares, kills, and soundtrack. Um, I mean, neither of these films really have any graphic kills.
0: No, no. Nausea
1: is a little more graphic.
0: Yes. Um, only slightly. It is a little bit of spitting blood. Yeah. Um, Dracula's Daughter, I I did feel like with the kills, technically Lily's was a kill. Yeah. It just took her a while to die. So I just, I liked (laughs) the sort of style of that and the tension Mm. and the queerness of that moment. And how kind of groundbreaking it was for 1936. Yeah. So I I, I personally would give it to Dracula's Daughter Mm -hmm. specifically for that scene with Lily. Yeah. Because it, it pushed a lot of boundaries.
1: Yeah. The cinematography, I love that classic Universal monsters oh, uh, cinematography. Absolutely. I mean, a lot of it didn't wasn't in keeping with that though. Um, I found it's kind of bookended by those scenes, like the atmospheric Gothic feeling, mm, yeah, um, specifically, uh, which does look amazing. It's, the whole film is very well shot, but those specific scenes were the best.
0: Well, a lot of it was sort of British high society. Yeah, and almost like the. And, and I know it's an American film, but like the Thin Man, yeah, that sort of you know poshness mm-hmm. to it. So it wasn't necessarily gothic until yeah the the end.
1: Whereas think. Nausea, it keeps that atmosphere going throughout the whole thing, mm. um switching within that Fisher Price camera, and uh, it, it adds <laughs> a really weird feeling to it that I loved. Yeah. Um, and it's just, yeah, there are scenes where, despite how funny it can be, it's also, you know, very eerie in some scenes because they kept the black and white. And, you know, scenes like her walking in the snow whilst Porter's Head plays, looks amazing.
0: Yeah, and I love the way that a grimy New York yeah. looked. Yeah. I, I, really, I love films set in New York, particularly mm-hmm. the sort of grimy pre rudy Giuliani yeah. years. Yeah. Uh, and soundtracks you know
1: again the original has a very exciting classic hollywood style score but the remake has a shoegaze soundtrack yeah. with that simon fisher turner score that yeah. is so good so honestly for cinematography and soundtrack i'm going to give it to the remake
0: um i i actually completely agree with you here um give me Portis head and my bloody valentine and yeah. y- you've won i'm sold yeah Great score to um, Dracula's Daughter. Yeah, classic Universal Monster soundtrack. And I, I feel a lot of the Dracula's Daughter style and sound and such is classic yeah. um, Universal Monsters. So it's mm-hmm. good, you know, yeah. we appreciate it. Is it breaking any boundaries? No. No. So I, I feel like nausea is better in that sense. Yeah. And on to characters. First up we have
1: The Countess. Yes. uh, And Naja. 1936 played by Gloria Holden and 1994 played by Eleanor Lowenson. So, I mean, Gloria Holden is just... She just commands that screen. Yeah. uh, Delivers such a fantastic performance. She's always slaying. She's fucking campus tits. And her outfits are always amazing. Like... She's just everything.
0: Yeah, it was Gloria Holden's first starring role. Um, she actually resented it greatly. She didn't want to play the role in the first place. Uh, but she does a fucking wonderful job. Yeah. Yeah. By far, in my opinion, the best part of the film. Oh, yeah. The film is great because of her. Yeah. I feel like without the Countess as a character and Gloria Holden's performance... The film would have been just another throwaway horror sequel. Yeah, and I genuinely believe that. I, I said earlier, didn't I, to, mm. to you? You know, if you'd put a man in that role, yeah, I'd be like, okay, cool, whatever. Yeah, you know, but the fact that it has the queerness, that it has this performance, um, shortly before her death, after a fan had demanded an autograph from her, uh, <laughs> they'd mentioned Dracula's daughter. She said. Oh, that awful thing! <laughs> I mean, okay, you know, props to you for being honest, but and, and she delivered a performance like that in a film exactly, just be awful. That's exactly,
1: yeah. Um, very much like you said, though. I mean, with Eleanor Lowenson, um, she's very good, but the film is fantastic itself. Yes, um, she's not the best thing about it, but she's up there, and the way she delivers all that ridiculous dialogue is just um, incredible. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it is a very good performance. It feels at home in
0: a weird art house film. You know, yeah. she's great. I feel like she would do great in comedy Yeah. as well. I actually do uh-huh. think she would do great in comedy. Yeah. I really appreciated the performance. The character was interesting. Mm. I liked the monologues. It's a difficult one between these two. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give it to Gloria Holden. I'm going to give it to Gloria because she really Holden. commands that screen. And, I mean... She owned an entire fucking film. Yeah. And she makes it iconic. Yeah. She she is the icon of that film. Yeah. Absolutely. And she's, she slays the look. She's got more looks that she slays as well, if I'm being honest.
1: Yeah. No, absolutely. I yeah.
0: agree.
1: Next up, we have... <laughs> because that's so important to horror films. <laughs> Next up, we have Van Helsing. <laughs> Played by Edward Van Sloan in 1936 and Peter Fonda in 1994, where he also plays Dracula. Briefly. Um, Peter Fonda acted in this film for uh, Screen Actors Guild Minimum and paid for his own airline ticket to be flown to the East Coast to act in the film. And you can tell. Yeah. Whereas (laughs) Edward Van Sloan... Barely does anything other than talk shit.
0: It's yeah, it, it's it's okay. It's like Donald Pleasant's in not the first Halloween, like one of what? Well, wait, which is the Halloween where he's like not really in it that much? Uh, it six, yeah. six, six. That's the one. Yeah, um, yeah, he
1: he's fine, but Peter Fonda, he is so camp. He <laughs> plays a character like a wacky and wild Twin Peaks character.
0: Yes, um, yeah, he looks
1: like Bob. He does, yeah. He, he, he looks ridiculous. Um, and you can tell he's having an absolute blush. You can tell he wanted to do this. And he's very entertaining. He does get given more to do. Yeah, um, that's granted, true. Yeah. But, you know, when he's going around making people look in his sunglasses. and Come on, please, give me more of this. I'm yeah. So good. Uh, so I think it goes without saying it. It goes to Peter Fonda.
0: Yes, yes. Uh,
1: we have Dr. Garth and Jim. 1936, he is played by Otto Kruger. And 1994, played by Martin Donovan. Um, I mean, this one, the character either way, I couldn't really care for. Yeah. I like that Martin Donovan had that moody 90s alternative boyfriend thing on the go. I feel
0: like that was his thing yeah. in the 90s. Uh, from what I saw... That's kind of Martin Donovan's um, M.O. Yeah. Is that moody sort of Gen Gen X thing. I know I keep saying Gen X and it sounds really wanky, but it's the truth. (laughs) Um,
1: Yeah. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Then Otto Kruger, I mean, I mean, the character's misogynistic. So, I mean, already the Jim character's better
0: yeah i can i can tell you one thing in both films the male characters weren't the ones that i was more interested in um yeah it was the female characters yeah definitely and jim yeah he's a bit dull Mm. really um but dr garth is also a dick yeah so i suppose i'd give it to jim yeah i
1: think so i mean.
0: Flies over the bar. He does. Is, he does. Cool. <laughs> um, he knows his place. <laughs> well, he's also
1: the co-owner of the spider that doesn't want to speak French. So
0: yeah, that poor spider got squashed, didn't it? He did. Um,
1: and then finally uh, we have Janet in uh, the original and uh, Cassandra in the remake. In the original, she's played by Margaret Churchill. A very strange way to spell it, Margaret. And in the remake, played by Susie Amis.
0: Yeah. Um. I feel like... Naja. she didn't really do much. Really. So she's the one that gets kidnapped. She is, yeah. She, she isn't yeah. given as much
1: to do as Janet. In the original.
0: She kind of just responds to Naja's monologues yeah. with like a sentence. She does. Um, so I don't I'm obviously she's there for a reason. Yeah. But she didn't really do much herself, apart from snatch a wig.
1: Well, I mean she does do that and that she was does, great. She
0: does snatch a wig. But Janet did a prank call. She did an iconic <laughs> prank call. So um, it's difficult. Yeah, Margaret Churchill does slay. She does slay. She no, t- t- really slays. Yeah. Like she... One thing Cassandra doesn't do is slay. I'm sorry. Her outfits aren't... No. That's fabulous. Yes.
1: I mean, and Janet, she just wants a bit of dick. She does. Even
0: even if it's from a dick. She um, does. You she know. wants a little bit. But well, She wants a big
1: bit. She does. <laughs> she does. So I think we'll give it to Margaret Churchill. Yes. Finally, we have biggest queen. I give it to the countess in the original. It's the countess
0: breaking glass ceilings, breaking boundaries. Yeah. Um, slaying. Yeah, the countess. How many times have we said slaying in this? Great.
1: Biggest gasp, I give it to Cassandra punching Najia so hard that her wig flew, but it's a tie. Oh! It also goes to Najia possessing Cassandra and marrying her own brother, because <laughs> I mean, who the fuck saw that
0: coming? <laughs> that is true, yeah. <laughs> uh, I did give it to the flying wig though. <laughs> yeah, it's deserved.
1: Um, best dialogue I have, Count Dracula is one of those fabulous creatures from the original. <laughs>
0: I went with to this day I can't stand to eat butter you have to learn to forgive <laughs> and
1: <laughs> and finally that's camp yes. I give it to and I'm sure you can both agree on this the random prank call that prank Janet.
0: call about pink men and elephants it's like it's the way she's lying in yeah. her bed doing it as well <laughs>
1: There's no reason to be in the film, but I'm glad it was. So good.
0: So good. And That's with that... my new personality, by the way. <laughs> Expect prank calls.
1: <laughs> with that being said, the film, that is the winning film... Oh, the winner is... Neither! They're a tie! Yay! Hey. Oh, I like that. Eight points
0: each. It's a yeah. very well-deserved tie. Uh, that makes me happy.
1: Yeah. It, it's uh, it's definitely shoot. one of those where you, you should definitely watch both. And Absolutely. Ratings for both. I give Dracula's daughter eight unnecessary lies out of ten.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that should have been best dialogue as well. Oh, whatever. Uh, I give Dracula's daughter eight eyebrows plucked within an inch of their lives out of ten.
1: And I know, it was a t- I know it was a tie on the episode itself, I give Niger oh, Naja, however you say the name, Niger. nine psychic faxes out of
0: ten. <laughs> um, I did uh, give him a tie, because I gave Niger eight bitter butter memories <laughs> out of ten. <laughs> Uh, And if you want to watch both films, then
1: the original is available on DVD and Video On Demand. And the remake in America is available on DVD, but you can get it on Video On Demand in the UK. Nice.
0: If you enjoyed the original, I recommend watching Bride of Frankenstein. If you enjoyed the original, I recommend watching Black Sunday. If you enjoyed the remake, uh, funny enough... I think we both have films that we didn't enjoy. <laughs> I know. But films that
1: I know other people enjoyed and films that I feel like I'm I oh, think really similar. one of them was released before, but they're very similar. Yeah. Uh if you enjoyed the remake, I recommend watching
0: A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. If you enjoyed the remake, I recommend watching The Addiction. Yeah, both the black Abel, and
1: white vampire horror
0: film. I I think The Addiction was after. Yeah. If I remember correctly. Yes. Yeah, the girl walks home alone at night is modern, so it's yeah, way after. Very similar style and
1: subject. So that brings us to our best and worst of the month. <laughs>
0: oh my god. It's been a good one. It's been it a very has good been one. A good one, Gary.
1: But we do have a best and we do have a worst. Um mm. so of course, you know, if you're new to this, best and worst of the month is new releases until we get to our honourable mentions. Yes. Um Best of the Month has to go to Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse.
0: I completely agree.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Somehow, a sequel that managed to outdo a perfect film, Mm -hmm. and it's genuinely my new favourite comic book film. I mean, it just is everything it needs to do, and then some, and I cannot wait for the next part of this trilogy.
0: Yeah, it was fantastic. It gave me everything I needed. I was thoroughly entertained. Edge of my seat. Um, It had real heart and warmth and great action. Loved it. It, It's perfect. I I thought it was a perfect film. And
1: for worst of the month, I'm sure something else we could both agree on. It is The Boogeyman. (sighs) I honestly can hardly remember a thing about this film. It was so fucking bland and boring and generic and... Oh my god! From the director of Host, like seriously, one of the scariest modern horror films. How did it go from that to this? It was it was so
0: generic. Paint my numbers. It was, um, yeah. I I just I I didn't I didn't care enough to hate it. Yeah. Which, you know, I just didn't. I didn't give a shit. No. I just, like, yeah.
1: So, honourable mentions um, of first-time watches this month. Uh, I have The Trip. <laughs> Surprisingly. film we brought from CX because we thought it was going to be shit, but yeah. it was actually really good. Uh, Famer and Louise, I watched for the first time twice this month. Yes, you did. Yes, great film. Yes. Uh, we did a little our uh, Marathon, which we're still in the middle of, mm. where we watched Dark Habits, What Have I Done to Deserve This?, Law of Desire, Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown, Tie Me Up, Tie Me Down, and all of those were incredible. It's
0: really, you know, there's a couple of them that joined my favourite films yeah. of all time, like top 50, you know, yeah. they, they were that good. It's about time we bloody watched them. We're so pleased.
1: Fire Island, Watch watched for the first time.
0: Yeah, what a fun film. Yeah. Like, I really, it was great. just, yeah, a real heartwarming experience. And I didn't think it was going to be. And I, I really thoroughly really enjoyed mm-hmm. it. Lemma Prix. Yeah, the uh, um, Jean Luc Godard film. That, that was at the cinema. I don't know. Yeah. I'm assuming it was an anniversary of some sort. Yeah, 40, uh, 60 years.
1: Uh, Medusa Deluxe was a really fun one-shot, um, well, one-shot style murder mystery film, done in a really unique
0: way. Very British. Yes. But really, really, but but really enjoyable. As if British films aren't yeah. enjoyable. Very, very British, but uh, yeah, really enjoyable. Loved it. And I, I, it's the kind of film I hope people go out and yeah. see, because I want to see more of it.
1: Yeah, same for Amanda as well, uh, which was another good film that deserves some attention. Return to Soul is another one of those films.
0: Oh, my God. I loved that film, Return to Soul. Yeah. five. I gave it five stars. Yes. I thought it was absolutely phenomenal. Uh,
1: Elemental was really good. Does not deserve the weird amount of hate it's been getting. Yeah. Really just, fun
0: time. I don't know what people were expecting, but, you know, it, it ticked all the boxes for me.
1: Yeah. Uh, Pretty Red Dress starring Alexandra Burke. <laughs> yes. Uh, delivering a very good performance, might I add? Yeah,
0: actually, in in what I'm assuming is her big screen debut, she gave a great performance. Um, obviously, she is a phenomenal singer, and she she sings. Yes. In the film, um, but yeah, I, I love it. You know that kind of another British film. Um, yeah, I, I really want to see this film. People watching them and getting yeah. more of these these stories. Um, yeah, definitely. Really enjoyed that.
1: And I watched uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom and The Last Crusade for the first time. Temple of Doom hasn't aged particularly well, but still got a lot of fun parts in there. And The Last Crusade is honestly, for me, just as good as Raiders of the Lost Ark.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd seen them before. I, I, I watched Kingdom of the Crystal Skull for the first <laughs> time. Um, less said about that, the better. Um, yeah. We also watched in cinema... Uh, but I was afraid. You re you, you watched it for the
1: first time. I rewatched it. That was oh, my highlight last month. Oh
0: yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I thought it was great. Oh yeah, really appreciated what it was going for. Yeah, fucking long film. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I really liked it.
1: And, yeah, that is it for this month's Original Versus Remake episode. It's been a great Pride Month. Thank you to all of our guests who joined us this month. We've had a blast discussing films with you. And I know I said it at the start of the Wild Things episode, but, again, thank you to everyone who came to Gasp and helped make it a success. It was a great time.
0: Yeah, it was an absolutely phenomenal weekend. Really appreciate everyone coming out, all the filmmakers. Uh, we had a real blast. Yeah, and um, watched some absolutely fucking fantastic films. And we had to do it all over again next year. Yeah, fun time. Uh, if
1: you are a filmmaker who wants to submit a film, keep an eye on Film Freeway September first when we will be reopening submissions. If you would like to talk to us about Dracula's Daughter, or Najia, we are Horrible Trash over on Facebook and Instagram, Horrible Trash on Twitter. I'm DadatGaz92 on Letterboxd, Gazmo205 on Instagram, and gazcruz 92
0: on Twitter. I'm Chris Barker823 on Instagram and Letterboxd. Give us a rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, like and follow, and everything else. We
1: are currently at five stars on Spotify. Please keep that going. Ooh, we appreciate it, The love. Better than my Uber rating. Wow. Next month's Original Versus Remake, we will be discussing The Stepfather. I've only seen the remake. I haven't seen it so either. I'm excited to finally watch the original. And next week, as you know, we were doing Titanic 666, but that has been pulled due to recent news headlines. Uh, instead, we will be still doing it in September because, I mean, we are not missing out on discussing a film that looks that bad. Uh, but instead, we did a swap with September. A film we were gonna do in honor of a film being released in October. We will be discussing the fucking Exorcist Two, the Heretic.
0: Yes. Now I've never seen it. I have, and you refused to show it to me. It was. It's until it was a podcast episode. So I am really looking forward to it. Yeah,
1: lower those expectations. Um, but we'll have a lot to say I mean just from the trivia alone yeah. <laughs> some of the best trivia I've ever read uh, yeah we'll be back same time same place on Tuesday bye, bye.